Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we do thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this broadcast, the time we get to spend together in your presence. And I pray that those who are tuning in, whether it's live right now or it's later, I pray that you would bless us, strengthen us, give us wisdom, knowledge, and revelation into your will. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to do what you are calling us to do. We want to vote the right way. We want to steward our life and what you've entrusted into our care the right way. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would encourage all of us and take the pressure off. Lord, there's so much pressure today to be this way, to do that. And I pray that that would not be the motivating factor of, of any of this broadcast or our time together. I pray that, in, in fact, this would just be a breath of fresh air. So use this time for your glory and lead us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. This is part two of a special broadcast or a week of broadcasts on government, politics, and voting. I talked about whether or not Christians should vote. And my conclusion was, I believe that Christians should vote because I think that it's our stewardship. And all that God has entrusted to our care, our perspective, our, the, our nationality, where we are, who we are, where we live, everything that we have is to be given over to God for His glory. And I realize there's conflict with that, and we talked about how there are two kingdoms and that we are not from the kingdom of this world. We are in the kingdom of God, and our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And yes, we're dual citizens. I have a, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm a resident of King County. And so I have a responsibility as a steward of what I've been entrusted with to vote. And so that's the way that I see it. I see it as a stewardship. But I also recognize the tension and the conflict. And so in no way, shape, or form am I here to pressure anybody to do what I want them to do. I'm just simply trying to explain my perspective so that you might be encouraged by it. Now, as we talked about stewardship, I came to the conclusion that yes, I think it is something that Christians should do is vote because there are 30 million plus Christian Americans that do not vote. That's part of why we wanted to answer that question. I want to make something very clear before we jump into our next topic, and that is, it is not a sin for any of us to not vote. And so listen, I'm encouraging you to vote. I'm saying that I think we should. I think it's an important part of our stewardship, but in no way, shape, or form am I going to turn that into a sin where the Bible doesn't make that clear. I know people that have told me that they can't vote. I would contend with them. I would encourage them to do so. But I'm not going to turn that into a sin issue. I think that things are difficult enough when it comes to the conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, the two-party system that I'm going to talk about today, or primary two-party system. I think it's really important that we call sin, sin, and we call righteousness, righteousness, and we learn how to navigate in between. And I think that's what this is all about. It's just in that margin, in that area where we do need to have discussion. I'm trying to fill that void with some conversation that I hope will be helpful. And so do be encouraged, but please know it's important that you get what I'm not saying. And I'm not here to uh, pressure you and put you into this place where as a pastor, if I'm your pastor, 
you feel like I'm, I'm saying things without saying them directly. So I want to be as clear as I can. And please feel free to email us with any questions. You can always email me directly at ben at nwcfoursquare.org, ben at nwcfoursquare.org. If you really want to know my perspective on something, I am glad to answer you. If I can include it on the Daily Word, I will, um, or I'll just email you back. Okay, so we did talk about a level of governance, stewardship, and vote. Today, I want to just bring up the purpose of government, and I want to talk to you a little bit about where your heart is or where my heart is in all of this, because heart loyalty is something that will be tested. And we're going to go to Mark chapter 12, one of the most famous stories or accounts of where Jesus was tested in question, and it has to do with government. And I believe that there is a sort of a, a spiritual test that happens around this issue. And Jesus was tested, we're going to be tested, we are being tested, and I think it's important for us to talk about what comes out of that passage as we relate it to where we are today. But the first thing I want to do is remind us about the purpose of government. I kind of jumped into that yesterday. We read Romans chapter 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we could actually go back through the Bible on different places of Scripture where we see those that were seeking to follow God and they were used sort of in a governmental way. A lot of times they were used in a, uh, a society and a world that wasn't necessarily following, following Yahweh, following Jesus, and so on. And so you see these individuals that were raised up in order to speak to the nation and the national leaders during that time. People use Joseph and Daniel and those for as examples for how we are to be in our government structures. We want to be prophets to those in Babylon. We want to be prophets to kings and leaders who don't necessarily have our perspective. And so people will use those examples, and I think it's important to do that. I might get into that tomorrow. But for now, I want to talk to you about, in our day and in our time, the purpose of government using Romans chapter 13. I just want to mention this before we go to Mark chapter 12. Let me read to you Romans 13, verse 1 through 7. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome. He said, "'Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God.'" Now, let me just be very clear. This is not saying that every leader who has a position was appointed by God in that position. It is talking about the institution of government. It is talking about the office itself, not the person that occupies the office. Far too often we see Christians or others, but Christians mainly will use verses like this, and they'll say that every human not human institution. They'll say every human was appointed by God rather than the institution of government itself. And so that's, where I, that's what I believe. That's where I stand on what is being said here contextually. Uh, but let's just keep going here in verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And then he goes on to say, saying, why? For rulers are not a cause of fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, you should be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a servant of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath on the one who practices evil, 
uh, sorry, not only on of, because of wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. This is exactly what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. For the sake of conscience. Conscience about what? And conscience to who? To the Lord. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, respect to whom respect, and honor who, to whom honor is due. Now, contextually, you can tell from the, from the passage here that they were struggling with paying taxes. Why? Because he mentions it right there. Pay tax to the government. Christians, during the time of Paul, were struggling with paying tax to Rome. Well, part of it was because they were being overtaxed. They were being taxed to the point where they didn't always have enough for themselves. So this was about tyranny in their world and in their mind. They were struggling. And so Paul was saying, hey, look, pay tax, give honor to whom honor is due. And this was their struggle. This, some of the struggles that we have today when we read passages like this are not necessarily the same for us. But what this does is it gives basically an overview of what government is supposed to be about. Government, number one, promotes peace and good behavior for the welfare of all society. Now, in a pluralistic society where Jesus isn't the president or Jesus isn't uh, the king, naturally speaking, over all of us, um, those who believe and those who don't believe, he is Lord, he is the sovereign ruler over, over all things. We, of course, believe that. But we have these institutions of government where it's in a pluralistic society where we have religions of all kind. Yes, as Christians, we want a Christian ruler, so to speak, but because the institution is not necessarily devised by God, we're going to have on some level and in some ways, um, we're going to have things that we don't agree with. And that's just how that goes. And so uh, overall, what we want to make sure of is that government is about promoting peace and the welfare of society. Government is meant to punish evil, and it's to warn those who do evil. And government is meant to promote life and prosperity within a society and around the world. Now, that's for all people. Do you and I desire for a time, the millennial kingdom, where Jesus is going to be king and every law and every rule is righteous because the righteous king is taking his place? Of course. We long for that. We desire that. In fact, the ache in our hearts... Every time we see something that is unjust, every time we see something that isn't right, every time we see something that is immoral, every time we see something in a government leader, a law, or anything, anything like that, we, we struggle. We should struggle. We should grieve because it can't and never will be that which comes from the Lord Jesus himself. But we still want to vote. We still want to add our voice. We still want to be a prophetic witness into righteousness in our land. Um, we are salt. We are light. And so this is important for us. But the Apostle Paul did not live in a world like we do with a political system like we have. And that's an important contrast. He didn't live in a democracy. He didn't get to vote per se. That wasn't the way that it worked. He lived under a dictatorship. He lived under a sovereign ruler over the known world of that time, and it was broken down into systems and structures of government under that one ruler. And so there are a lot of differences, and we need to understand that. But some of these principles still apply, like what government is for. And I think as we read this and we read how Paul got down to the brass tax, he got right down to taxes because people struggled with even paying 
taxes. And we see that today. There's a struggle not only with taxes, but all kinds of things that pertain to our government structure, our laws, and so on. And this is, should be an ongoing point of learning for every Christian because we want to know how it is that we live in a world that isn't necessarily in its institution governed by Jesus, but we do that with righteousness. We do that with a missional mindset where we're here to reach people because ultimately that really is what it's all about is that even if we agree with all of the laws and even if we agree with everything on every level at every human institution, we know that ultimately a person can die and still go into an eternity without God. And so our main purpose and our main goal has to be that we help people meet Jesus, that they have an eternal hope, something that is worth more than silver and gold. It goes beyond this life. It isn't just about this life. And so we carry both tensions because we want to speak into uh, this life. We want to care for those in this life, both naturally and spiritually in this life and the life to come. And so we're always going to carry that tension. But I want to focus, after just simply making a comment about what government is for, I want to focus today on who has your heart. Amen. That's what you can look at your spouse or your friend or your computer screen, and you can say, who has my heart? Because that's what I want to talk about uh, today. And I'm going to read a lot from my notes because I wrote this specifically so I wouldn't make a lot of mistakes and just saying too much about my views that aren't well thought through. There are some things that I have here that are thought through, so forgive me for having to read more from my notes today, but this is what I wrote, and I want to make sure that I say exactly what I mean. Um, maybe tomorrow I'll talk a little bit more about the issues, uh, but today I want to talk about the heart. As we seek how to best engage in politics, we must grapple with the reality of vo voting in the current context of a two-party system. When it comes to faithfully navigating this two-party system, there are many competing perspectives. You know this. Some contend that Christians ought to participate in the political process without identifying the church with either party. Political parties typically insist on total allegiance and want their members to embrace every position in that party platform. We're talking about Democrat and Republican. Such allegiance can lead to, I would say will lead to, an acceptance of unbiblical practices and policies in an ability uh, to speak prophetically to society. In other words, if I'm just siding with a party, when another party is in office, basically my only goal is to get that person out of office and to get somebody into office that I can agree with or I can support instead of being a prophetic witness to that particular person in that office. I'm fighting against who's in that office instead of praying for, prophesying to, and trying to work with. And this is what party allegiance actually does. And so we want to be very careful. Most argue, as I would, that Christians should be issue-oriented and seek to address these things from a perspective of issues. Many evangelical organizations and leaders have adopted this approach, and rightfully so, because Christians should never conflate the message of the church with that of a political party. I want you to hear me when I say that. We cannot conflate the message of the church with that of a political party, and it happens all the time. You know it does, and so do I. We must evaluate political positions in light of the Bible, not the other way around. I would argue as many others do, that Christians must adopt an issue-based approach that is clear and honest about where the major parties and candidates stand on these issues, but seek to work with everyone, believing that God ultimately 
holds the heart of the king. This is what we believe. Modern day politics are seeking to appeal to our heads and our hearts in order to bring a certain type of loyalty. We cannot allow our hearts to be given to parties or political leaders in an inappropriate way. Our heart loyalty must be given solely to God and to his word. This cannot be assumed either because uh, we will be tested at times. And I believe that many of our hearts are being tested right now. Don't you feel that way? In fact, one of the ways that I know this test uh, is something that we're all experiencing is every single time we come into an election cycle, whether it's every two years or every four years, it just seems like I hear the same thing again. Hey, I know I've said this before, or hey, I know we've heard this before, but this is the most important election of our lifetime. See, those kinds of statements are meant to produce one thing, and that is pressure and often manipulation. Now, if you've said those things, I'm not trying to manipulate you or or criticize you. I'm just saying that where did that come from? Where did that thought or that idea come from? Did Did it come from the Lord? Did it come from the Word of God? Did it come from your conviction through the Holy Spirit and prayer? Or did it really come from what somebody else said? Did it come from a, a fear message? That, that's, that's what political campaigns are all about. They campaign on our fear. You know, they campaign uh, you, knowing how people are feeling or what people ought to feel, and they try to project that. They try to paint the message that they sense that people are feeling in their hearts. What are they doing? They're trying to bring a loyalty. See, leaders, political leaders or other leaders will try to draw on what they believe is in the heart. And you and I cannot bow to that. Listen, I want to tell you something. We're not puppets and we're not for sale. And you need to just say that. I'm not for sale. We have got to be consumed with God's word during this time. And I believe that when we study the word of God, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, that politics will matter. Governmental structure will will matter. Our involvement in the political process and being engaged, it will matter. But it may not matter in the same way that people are trying to make it matter to us. And that's what I find. I find that when people are consumed with a certain view of politics, they're not consumed with Jesus. They're not consumed with the gospel. They're not concerned with um, eternity. That's truly in view. See, this is why we have to have our loyalty checked. Is our loyalty to Jesus in his word or do we give it to parties and we don't even realize that it's happening? To be honest, uh, I can't give heart loyalty right now to either candidate or either party, and I never will. And so if I'm your pastor and you're looking to me for spiritual guidance and you want to know where our church is going, I just want you to know we're going to go after the word of God We're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, but we are not going to use that as an excuse to back out of any political engagement. It just means that we will not be politicized or polarized. That's the important piece for us to remember right now. And I think that we've got to make sure that we have regular heart checks. Am I saying that you can't be politically involved? I'm not saying that. Am I saying that you can't like a certain candidate? I'm not saying that. Am I saying that you shouldn't consider the parties and the platforms and the substance thereof? No, we need to to do that, and we'll talk about that probably tomorrow. But the reality is is that if you're going to push me into being a Republican because that's what a Christian is, or being a Democrat because that's what a Christian is who cares for the poor and takes care of society, I don't buy it. I won't buy it. And by the way, all the other nations don't have our similar system. In some ways, maybe it might reflect 
a similar way, but we're just one nation among many. And to look at it through, like almost like to look at our structure, our political parties through the lens of the Bible and, and consider which one is Christian. No, you can't do that. Sometimes we'll say, which one is more Christian? Let's look at the issues. Let's look at the candidates. Let's look at what's being said. Let's look at what's being done. That's what we have to be students of in our culture and in our time. And by the way, that's harder to do than it's ever been if, if you're living in the same world that I'm living in. Now listen, Jesus was tested many times uh, politically. You may not realize that, but I think when we talk about it and we look at Mark chapter 12, we're going to see that. Let's just look at Mark chapter 12 and verse 13. Here's what it says. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians, these are the rulers, uh, the religious leaders, later, later they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and they said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others. <laughs> I mean, just can you imagine them saying that to Jesus? You're not swayed by others, but we're trying to catch you. Because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But look at it. They brought the, or what are you trying, why are you, Jesus knew their hypocrisy and he says, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's? And the final verse here, it says, they were amazed. Another translation says, they marveled at his words. Jesus had a way of seeing through what people were doing, even when they didn't know what they were doing. See, they were trying to trap him, and they were using a political argument to trap him, because here we have, just like in Romans 13, we have the issue of taxes. Did you know that people have had a problem with taxes from the beginning? Of course. Why? Because governmental structures have always used a taxation as a form of tyranny or a way to get what they want. Now, today it's different, um, but it's similar too. I mean, this is one of the ways that History has shown people have exercised their authority over the people in an oppressive way. Now, I'm not saying taxes are wrong. I'm just saying that taxes can go so far that it's always been an issue. That's what one of the issues that's on discussion today. It's one of the things that the candidates are talking about. Who's going to tax more? Why are they going to tax? Who are they going to tax? How much are they going to tax the rich versus the poor in the middle class? This has always been an issue. And so here we have taxes being an issue. Uh, this is 2,000 years ago with Paul. It's the same. It's 1,900 years ago. Paul's discussing it. You know, it's been an issue. Let me just bring up three things from this passage that I think can help us as we are praying through this issue ourselves and the political process that we're in, the election cycle that we're a part of. Number one, political perspectives will be a place of testing for us. We see the flattery here from this passage that ensues, and they're trying to bring Jesus under review. Um, if Jesus says, you don't need to pay taxes to Caesar, it would be an act of rebellion to the government. They're trying to trap him, they're trying to trap him in a governmental conversation. Where does Jesus stand on the issues? And that conversation, Jesus didn't evade. He just brought it to a whole nother level. And this shows us something. The political conversation will test our heart. And you need to know that today, 
If you're not tested by this political conversation, it could be that you've given your heart loyalty over to a party and you literally just can't see in between the conversation and that there is a higher conversation to have. That when our heart loyalty goes to a party and we just can't understand why anybody else would think another way or feel another way, it's very important for us to take a step back and ask the question, have we given our heart over to something and they're saying what we want to hear and we've just aligned with that narrative? Because it happens all the time. History shows this. Jesus is being asked what seems to be a very simple question and he has a way to respond to it that is mind-blowing. Jesus literally says out loud, why are you trying to test me? Why are you trying to get me to say something that will trap me so that you can accuse me based on your predisposed, your predecided view? They're not asking a question, they're questioning him. And isn't that what it feels like today? Today, I, I could honestly tell you, most of the time, People are not seeking spiritual guidance from people like me as pastors when it comes to the issue of voting and government. They're actually listening to see if they agree, and they're asking questions to provoke me to say the same thing or to be a parrot of the same thing that they want to hear. Now, I respect the convictions that people have because they certainly want to base those on Scripture, but a lot of times there's mixture in that. And so as a pastor, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm praying about this. And honestly, I have literally never prayed more. I have never studied the Bible more to ensure what I'm thinking is from the Word and is from the Lord. Now, I can honestly tell you, I'm still working through a number of issues, not as it pertains to my moral convictions, but as it pertains to our political structure and how I'm to go about it in this process. And I, for some people, it makes it seem like I'm waffling in my convictions. Not at all. I just know that people want me to say what they want to hear, and that's what politicians will do. That's what political structures will do. They always promise us what we want to hear, and then they don't deliver. Why? Because it isn't about the issues all the time. It's about what do I need to say to get these people to believe me so that I can get into this place of power and then do what I plan to do anyways. This is what I'm trying to be mindful of and discerning of. This is why we have to follow the Holy Spirit and be grounded in God's word. Jesus asks for a coin and they bring it and he says, whose inscription is on it? And they say, Caesar's. And Jesus says the famous words, render unto Caesar's what is his and render unto God what is God's. And they marveled at his words. Why did they marvel? Because Jesus was able to show them something about their motives and his heart at the very same time. His heart loyalty was to the Father. And he had a way of speaking about it that was otherly. It was otherworldly. It was almost like they wanted to reduce him down to this conversation. And they couldn't, for them, that was what it was all about. And Jesus elevated the conversation. He introduced a concept and not just the answer to their question. He said, render to Caesar's what is Caesar's. But here's the real important part. You better render unto God's what is God's. And it, they marveled because they thought, Oh man, not only did we not trap you, but I think you just trapped us. Why? Because you showed us that our test for you was actually really a test to us, a test as to whether or not our heart was given over to the Lord. See, who has your heart? Who has our heart? Politics are going to challenge us. Government is going to challenge us. It's going to test the heart loyalty of every Christian. 
And we're going to get forced into this yes or no answer. Well, do, do, you, do you care about this issue? Yes or no? And that's really all it is. And it's not a higher conversation than that because, listen, these conversations are designed. A lot of these policies are not necessarily designed to help the people. And I'm, I know I'm talking as a free man here because people have said to me, they said, Ben, you're a free thinker. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. But they've said that because they, they know I'm not going to say necessarily what others will say. I'm not trying to be a free thinker. I'm not trying to be a Republican or a Democrat. In fact, I'm not. What I'm trying to do is see if some of this is designed to trap us. Some of this is designed to trap our loyalty without question. That's what it's doing, okay? And so I'm just saying, look, I'm not a puppet, and I don't think any of us should be. Our loyalty has to be to God, and that's what Jesus actually showed. He showed something different than what they were currently walking in, and that's why they, mar- they marveled. The challenge that they put on him became a challenge to themselves. And I think as we walk through this political season and we talk about government, politics, voting, and all the structures, the, inst- the human institutions of government, we can't evade the conversation and act like it doesn't matter on one hand, but we also have to make sure that the conversation is contextual and that we're adhering to that which is higher at the same time we're addressing the world that we live in. You can do both. You can do both, and we must. Point number two from this passage, only Jesus, obviously, can have our heart loyalty. This was an issue of governmental loyalty, and Jesus made this quite clear where he put his heart, where his heart was. He was not against government, but he was more for the will of the Father, which is our way as well. This is what it was about. It was not about what he was against. They were trying to see if he was against the government. If Jesus were to say, you don't have to pay taxes, it would show that he was against something. And so Jesus said, it's not about what I'm against, it's about what I'm for. Render unto God's what is God's. In Genesis chapter 1, it states that all human beings were stamped with the image of God. It says that we were created in his image according to his likeness. We were stamped with his image, but the coin was stamped with the image of Caesar. So these two things cannot always be in the same conversation at the same level. And that's what Jesus was talking about. You cannot reduce all of my feelings and thoughts and loyalty down to this one conversation. Contextually, it is a bigger issue. My heart loyalty is with the Father. Okay, now I'll give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Within this world, within this realm, I have to act responsibly, accountably, and I'm going to do that but he elevated the conversation. It's really powerful. We can give our money to the government, but we must reserve our hearts and our lives for the Lord and all that he calls us to. Psalm 146 and verse three says, put not your trust in princes, in a man whom there is no salvation. Put not your trust in princes or a man in whom there is zero salvation. Oh my gosh. Now, That's going to bring us right into my third and my final point. You're right. Guess what? I'm not going to go an hour today. I can't because I have to go to a a photo shoot because we're going to get pictures today. So I can't stay with you the whole time. And I know you're going to miss the entire hour and 20 minutes that I was going to do, right? No. Point number three, we must trust God entirely. This is all about trust. I just talked to you about Psalm 146.3. During this election cycle, many will seek to draw us into a debate, a test, 
and it's a test of loyalty. We must be careful not to fill our lives, and listen to me, with so much political debate that our hearts are deceived from trusting God in it all and through it all. I need you to hear me right now. If you are listening to more political debate, discussion, commentary, social media, you and I need to pour our hearts, our minds, and our lives into the word of God. I have found that the contrast that I have with a lot of people who are following Jesus is often that as I am seeking the Lord, and I'm not saying I pray more than you or read my Bible more than you. That might be true, but that's not what I mean. I'm saying that as I'm trying to seek the Lord, I am not listening to as much of this. But when I'm meeting with somebody who's listening to 90% of political debate, and that's where they're pouring their heart into, I realize that we're not having the same conversation. The fellowship of the Spirit is not the same. And so the urgency that they place on the political arena, the political debate, um, it makes it look like I don't have a level of importance for my vote or for the issues that I care about. It, it makes it seem like I don't care. Why? Because everything is on the vote. Not political engagement, but the vote. It's all about the vote. And your vote matters so much. It's everything. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not everything. Your vote matters. It is important. Your life is everything. Our heart is everything. Our daily decisions are everything. How we raise our kids is everything. How we share the gospel is everything. How we live, preach, teach the word of God is everything. When we give ourselves to too much of the world's narrative in the governmental structure, the governmental conversation, what will happen is our heart will slide over there and what follows is our trust. In other words, if the person that we voted for does not get into the White House or any office that we voted for, what will happen is we will think that the country is going to hell in a handbasket. And you know what? I don't believe that. I believe that God is on the throne. I'm going to vote and be responsible, and I'm encouraging you to do the same. But come November 3rd, 4th, 5th, January 1st, Whoever is in office, I am going to try to be a prophetic voice to those persons, to those personalities, to that party. I am going to seek to use my influence with the gospel and with the word of God. Nothing has changed. My trust is in the Lord. And you know what I believe? God can change the heart of any person in any party at any time. When we pray for revival, we've got to remember that God in history has changed the hearts of some of the most wicked people. And we're not even coming close to who those people are today as opposed to who they were back then. My trust is in the Lord and it is not misplaced. You and I need to put our whole trust in the Lord, be responsible with our natural things like voting and our political engagement and our involvement. But do not be pressured and pushed to a place where your heart loyalty slides and your trust follows. You say, Ben, what is a sign that my heart loyalty might be given over more to the governmental process and the human institution rather than the divine institution of God's sovereign rulership over the world? If you listen too much to the political narrative and debate, if you're giving more of your time to that than the word and to prayer and conversations around fellowship, yeah, I, I can guarantee you that your heart will slide. It, it, it's just who we are. Ladies and gentlemen, you only have so much time. You, you only have so much bandwidth. You, you can't give an hour of your time to this and 20 minutes to the Lord and really have like this, 
this uh, special place where God's voice is the clearest and most important. It, it just, whether it's me or you, it's not gonna happen. It just can't happen. And the same goes for entertainment. If we're watching television for two hours, just entertaining ourselves, and then we just give a little bit to the Lord, and we wonder why we're not consumed, we're not emboldened, we're not passioned by him, our passion for him is not strong like it once was. Revival looks like us being consumed with God and our trust will follow. So whoever is president, governor, senator, lieutenant governor, house of representatives, mayor, whoever that is, this year, next year, and the year to follow, listen, our focus, our purpose, and our trust must not change. You know your trust is misplaced when you speak in a way that does not include the power of the Lord. When you read the scriptures, you see how God changes the hearts. I read to you Proverbs 21.1 that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it as he wishes. It does not get us out of being responsible with our vote. I talked to you about stewarding our vote the best we can yesterday. We'll talk about issues tomorrow. These things are important. They're not, they're not more important. Heart loyalty is important. Jesus was asked questions again and again, and he would bring up the higher conversation. Why? Why did he do that? because it is always more important. Why? Because we can't control all of the outcomes. All we know is that we must trust God no matter where the world goes, no matter where the votes go, no matter what happens that's outside of our control. We've got to follow Jesus. Our loyalty has to be given to him first and foremost. And please do not say, yeah, Ben, but do not say that. Please do not say that. Listen to me plead with you as a pastor. I've watched far too many people go down the road of, of the political campaign and then their, their mood, their, 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 their happiness, their joy is connected to this. That's a sign. That is a sign that we've put our trust in that system first and foremost. We care about it just like we care about other things in our lives, these natural things, they matter to us, but it cannot matter more. We've got to realize that God is the one that is over all things and he can change all things. Amen and amen. Listen, who has your heart? Who has your heart? Let's freshly surrender our hearts to Jesus. Amen? Well, let's do that right now. Let's pray together and freshly surrender our hearts to Him. Thank you for sticking with me on the broadcast. I know many of you are on. Many, many of you are on, and it keeps growing every day because you want to know what I'm going to say about politics, government, and voting. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you today for your word, and God, I just freshly surrender my heart to you. Uh, Lord, I just admit that uh, this can be a very baffling topic. It can be very difficult. It can be very tense. It divides us, Lord, and I pray you would unify us. I pray you would unify us in your heart. I pray you would unify us in your mission. I pray that we would care about what you care about, and I pray your voice would be the loudest and the clearest to each and every one of us. I pray for all those tuning in. Would you bless and strengthen, fill with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for a revival, Lord. We ask that our hearts would be so alive in Christ God, I pray that as we cast our ballots, as we vote, as we do what we believe we ought to do in this time, God, I pray that we would not um, give our hearts over to just party and politics, but our hearts would be so with you that we could not be divided by any other thing. And so I thank you for everyone tuning in, and I, I pray, God, for just such a special and sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. 
as we listen to you and as we follow your word. I thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.